So Brad, I got big news for you this week, my friend. I went all the way to Alaska. America's, oh. uh, what is it, 49th state? A 49th state. Beautiful, yeah. the beautiful uh, northern, northern climbs of Alaska. Brad, yes. I traveled, uh, took two jets, multiple airports, <laughs> right? Got all the way up there. Well, arguably one of America's most outdoorsy states. You know what I mean? Like you're, yes. you're in the woods. It's me and moose Must. and bears and... Yeah. And Brad, I got COVID. Darn it. <laughs> you you came back from COVID and all you got was this lousy COVID? <laughs> now, wait a minute. If I remember right, you haven't gotten COVID at all throughout this entire pandemic. I, Is that I right? made it three years and two months, Brad. Oh, my Since gosh. that first weird wolf dog thing in Wuhan brought it into the market. And uh, yeah, and uh, uh, so but it, it finally brought me down. I had to go all the way to Alaska to catch it, though. That's what made me laugh is that literally about as far as I could travel to the most outdoorsy yeah. place ever. And that's where I got it. You really you really put in the extra work to get this COVID. Yeah. Well, the, the good news is you probably you got it. You kicked it. It was what? What an afternoon, right? Well, I'm on day four, of 10, 14 of death. <laughs> Testing very positive, Brad. Very positive on day 14. My body, well, you show, my body is proving to be able to fight this off like a 108-year-old man. I'm doing great. <laughs> you sent me the lined-up uh, tests, and and not only were your lines red, they were dark, dark, vibrant red. Like I've I've never seen neon red in a COVID test before. Yeah, like I think at this point my COVID has now caught COVID. Like it's it's the the virus is now. <laughs> It's now looped on itself. So anyway, uh, it's been, it's been it's been uh, I gotta say though the the trip up to Alaska was so worth it. I I, I remain yeah. of the highest opinion of the comics camp that the Alaska Robotics puts on up there. It's, it's about yeah. sixty five people from uh, Canada, from the United States, from Puerto Rico. From, I don't think there was anyone from Mexico this year. Um, but uh, gosh, it was a dang delight. And I, I made new friends that I'm going to want to invite onto the podcast, Brad, that you are going nice. to love. And oh, gosh, I I, uh, COVID aside, if there's a way that I can convince you for next year to go, I hope you'll join me because it remains one of the best things going in the cartooning world. Uh, the Alaska Robotics uh, Comics Camp uh, once a year in spring. Oh, man, I, it does sound like a lot, a lot of fun. I definitely because just the idea of going and talking shop for that amount of time, just with a lot of other creators and stuff. Sounds like a really it sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And there's you know, we I, we've talked about this before, but we do little mini panels throughout the weekend. So it's like, mm -hmm. hey, if anyone talks wants to talk about humor writing, which we did, um, we're going to yeah. be having a mini panel where Dave Malky, Ryan North, Dave Kellett, um, Jillian Gerst are going to talk about writing for Ooh. comedy over on this part of the it's camp. It's like a murderous row of really good writers you just Yeah, it was great because we were like, everybody grab a coffee or a beer or whatever you want, come over here and, yeah. you know, you're trying to give a panel talk and then there's literally a 30-pound uh, uh, Alaskan raven trying to steal your coffee while you're... Those things are gigantic. They're so much bigger than crows. A raven is gigantic. Uh, and uh, they were they were actively trying to steal whatever little tinfoil I had around me. I was like, oh, Brad would love this. Um, yeah, no but kidding. But then there were there were things about structuring your business. We did we did talks about um, uh, about how to uh, hire or be hired. It was, it was really great. Yeah. And then there was just runners of humor, Brad. Just entire three days of jokes. I had a whole joke, and I'm going to share this with you just before we get into the show. I don't know yeah. how, but Ryan North and I started joking about um, how 
because uh, you know he he's Canadian, and uh, I was like, you know, you always have to write these things like, oh, the Fantastic Four has saved New York, or oh, you know, Daredevil saved Chicago, or whatever it is. And I yeah. said, no one ever goes to Quebec, and I want to yeah. see a little Quebecois kid that like the Fantastic Four comes in and they save Quebec, and the little Quebecois kid is like. You know, and it's just like this little kid in, in Quebecois French just like saying hi to Mr. Fantastic and the Fantastic Four. Bienvenue yeah. Quebec, Batman! Um, and God bless it, it's the dumbest joke and we had a runner on it for three days solid. And, and uh, that's the kind of thing that I love about Comics Camp. It's just people in the weeds about comics that love being around oh. the world and oh, can't recommend it enough. I cannot recommended it enough, Brad. Getting in the weeds up in the woods. And so on that note, I'm going to say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics. And making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, the author of the Web Comics Handbook and the creator of Evil Inc. And I'm his pal Dave Kellett, the cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and the co-director of Stripped. And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. We got a big show for everybody. And uh, the topics today are going to bang, 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 uh, be exciting because Brad and I were just talking about them before the show, and I'm excited to jump into them. And so this first question is going to be the one that's going to frame our entire show for today. Yeah. And it's got it goes like this. All right, so this comes in over at patreon.com slash comic lab and says, hey, guys, Tom here. So now I've got my own website for my comics, but what do I do with it? I've got an audience on other platforms, and everyone who followed my work conveniently gets my public releases on those platforms. Right. So why do they go to my site? People only find it by being directed to it by my already active social media presence. And if they're already there, I've already got them. So I love having it, but I don't know how to make it useful. Yeah. So I turn this question to the king of websites and making them useful. Brad Geiger, <laughs> how would you answer Tom's question? This is a great question because for the last several months, uh, we've been harping on this idea of owning and controlling your own work and that a website is a big part of that, that yes. you've got to build your castle on your own ground. And if you're building it on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or any of the others, then you really don't own that property. And as we've seen so many times in the past, something can happen, upset the apple court and everything that you've worked for is gone. Or so an apple cart too. What? <laughs> oh, man, I thought I slid that past you. <laughs> so good to have you back, Dave. I, uh... <laughs> Brad just slides across the table a ticket for Alaska yeah, Airlines. There you go, right. champ. Back you go. Yeah. Back you go. So uh, yeah, you can you can get into trouble. So, and and we've been talking a lot uh, about our friends from DreamHost uh, setting up that uh, special introductory offer for Comic Lab listeners. And we've actually heard back from a lot of Comic Lab listeners who are saying, yeah, we, we, we've tried that. We like it. Uh, but we hear this from a lot of people. Now I got it. What do I do with it? OK, right, so let's talk right. about that, because it seems like second nature to you and me, Dave. We've been doing this on the Web using websites since 2000. But just think if you're somebody that came up in social media uh, architecture, this is not intuitive. So let's talk about everything that you can do and you should be doing with your website. The first one is the obvious one. It's a standing archive of your work. So once yes. people get interested in it, um, they can go back and read 
back issues and back uh, uh, older comics and archives of previous work. That's the first one. Number two, it's an it's a way for you to uh, direct traffic and do uh, a certain amount of business. In other words, you should have. I, I I do not recommend anybody actually uh, put ads on their website anymore. Nope. However, I do recommend using that space that was traditionally used for ads to do house ads. That's ads for your stuff. So if you go to uh, my site, you're going to see a lot of uh, here's what we're doing on Patreon. Here's mm -hmm. the the ebooks you can buy. If I'm doing a Kickstarter, there's going to be a lot of notification about that. So I'm doing that as well. But it even goes further. You should have on. I, I'm a big proponent of rethinking the traditional web comics uh, website as a landing page, not not just showing the most recent comic, but also having prominent uh, places where you can say, "Here's where you can buy the eBooks. Here's where you can uh, uh, get original art. Here's where you can get involved in this. Here's how you can get involved in our Discord." All of these other things, it's a place for you to direct traffic. Okay. And it's, and it's, a, and, and, and it, that's just still scratching the surface. It should also be a place for indoctrinization of, of uh, newer audience members. In other words, you should have an about page that talks about, uh, gives you a, a, a newcomer. Uh, something that they can read quickly to find out who the main characters are and what the basic story is. You should have places where you can jump into important places in your storyline. If you're doing a story based comic or special groups of comics, if you're doing uh, something that's more humor based, more standalone, you can group those by topic and have uh, an import there. Having a trailer like a video trailer of mm -hmm. uh, of your story. In other words, this is a place for you to do all of the things that you want to do in terms of your comic. And of course, you are going to share that on social media, too. But here's here's what you're missing on social media. It's here and then it's gone. It's here and then it's gone. It, 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 yes, it, it flickers. Yes. It flickers here, gone here. Bing, bing, bonk, bonk, like twinkling stars. Right. And if you don't happen to look and catch a twinkle, you don't know that it's there right. on your website. It's always there. And so what is sometimes when you're doing social media outreach, you're saying, by the way, if you'd like to get a quick update, uh, you know, if you'd like to know what's going on in the storyline, go here. And then you direct them over to where you've got your about page. Right. If you'd mm -hmm. like to find out about ebooks, here's some more information on that. It's a place you can direct. It's basically a hub of all of your activities. And so as you're continuing to build audience on social media, you're using your website to cement that audience yes. because they haven't gotten again. They're only seeing twinkles. And so you're you're every chance you get, you're bringing them back to the website. And that website is a hub of activities. It's more than just the most recent comic. It's a whole bunch of stuff around that so that you can take that person who's maybe a little bit interested and turn them into a fan. Absolutely. And uh, to build on that, it's a hub of everything that you have, and it's presented in the best way possible that you know how to present yeah. your work. Yeah. So no other social media site is telling you what single thing you can pin to your tweets or right. what stories you should highlight on your Instagram sub reel, you know, that kind of thing. This is where you get to say, this is my best work. This is the best way to read it. This is how I choose to present it. 
you know how your work deserves to look, right? Yeah. Do you remember, Brad, for example, this is just a for example. Remember when uh, Facebook started about eight years ago, sort of down some images that you would upload? Mm-hmm. Do you remember when they did that? Uh, some social yes, media I sites do. still do that. Yeah. Uh, and it, it drove me bonkers because it was like, no, I saved this at a specific way, the specific way I wanted to present. And and Facebook would down it. And the same thing, you could think of any other way that Twitter limits how you can show who you are and what your best work is, how Instagram limits who you are and what your best work is, because ultimately they are serving those platforms. You are serving you. Yeah. Twitter is, the goal of Twitter is to, to keep people on Twitter and eyeballs activated on Twitter and ad sales for Twitter. Same as with Instagram, same with Facebook, same with anything else. Your website, the goal is to, as Brad said, indoctrinate if one would look at it, but also to evangelize, to get people to come in and and fall in love with you, with your work in the best way that you know how, to the greatest depth that you can give them with your archives. And for that reason, you definitely want your website. Yeah. And in that way, I I gave you a whole list of stuff. That's just the jumping off point. Now you get to use your creativity to add to that list for things that apply just to your comic or just to your audience. This is where you get creative, right? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. it's always there. It's always there for you to point people to. If you've got one of those uh, link tree uh, uh, setups, uh, your link tree is probably going to link to two or three places on your website that, that you can direct traffic to and so forth. Uh, you de- uh, uh, now just beyond that, uh, in general, make sure that your website is mobile responsive. That means that it yes. looks right. It is very easy to navigate on a mobile device because again, probably 80 or 90% of your audience is on a mobile device. So uh, I'm sure it's great that it looks good on desktop. You need uh, to set up a site. I recommend WordPress and I work recommend to Checky, uh, which is a uh, 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 content management system, T-O-O-C-H-E-K-E. It's Mm -hmm. mobile responsive. It's set up for websites uh, that do web comics and uh, it's, it's your best bet. You want to make sure that you're set up for that because you don't want to go all this way and come up with a website that looks great on desktop and not so hot on a mobile device. And once you do the next, the next thing I would suggest, um, and I'm going to steal thunder from my friend here who gave me this advice is you're going to want to start incorporating the Patreon API into your website. Yes. And what does that do? Well, as Brad says, um, your website is there with a, with the archives presented the best way they know how to indoctrinate and evangelize people and make it easy to fall in love with you and your work, right? Yeah. And then once they do, that website is ready set with the Patreon API to say like, listen, back me for $2, $3, $5 a month, and you can unlock X, Y, and Z, whether that's more right. archives, whether that's specific ways of bundling the archives, whether that's exclusives or sneak peeks or behind the scenes, whatever your Patreon is going to give them, that API can unlock stuff on the website that previously was not possible two, three, four years ago. Right Now it's it's an amazing asset that I have taken this entirely from my friend Brad, who gave me this advice with Drive, and it has proved incredibly effective as a way of helping people go from 
fans to super fans and super fans to people that dive into parts of the website that are unlocked with their Patreon. It's so powerful. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, that that Patreon API is a very important. I'm glad you brought that up because it completely slipped my mind. Really important part of that whole thing uh, because you can Patreon isn't great <laughs> when it comes to presenting uh, comics. It was not originally set up for comics and archives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They do their best. <laughs> They're in there trying, but uh, it's it's not. <laughs> It's not great for co- as much as I love them. And I stand no. second to nobody in my love for Patreon, but it's not great for comics. Here's your chance to say, okay, here's what, how my work really should be best presented. And then you set that up again. Right. This is not a replacement for social media. It's not a replacement for these other things you're doing, but it's going to be the main hub that all of those things circle around. So you're going to continue to put your comic out on Twitter, for example. Right. So that it can be read on Twitter, not a link back to your website. It's OK. They, they, it's OK that both things happen. I can read that comic completely. Uh, today's comic on Twitter. All right. And then if I do that enough, I'm going to follow you on Twitter and I'm going to get more of your messages. Mm-hmm. One of those messages might be, hey, here's a place that on the website that you can go to see the entire library of e-comics that I have uh, on offer. OK, boom. That's 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 one way that you're using it as a hub, right? You can also, if somebody does go back to that website, uh, you direct them to the website for another reason. They do it and they see a Patreon uh, promotion that you're doing. Now they're funneling that into Patreon where you're actually going to get paid. Boom. You're using it as a hub. Everything revolves around your website, which is then funneled into the things that make you money like e-comics and Patreon. Now, okay, now you've heard two guys telling you all the positives about having a website. Let me argue from the negative about why it's important to have a website. Okay, so you heard Brad in passing talk about like, this is something that you own and control, right? right? And I want to tell you from two people who have lived through LiveJournal and MySpace mm-hmm. and Tumblr, and now currently what's happening with Twitter, yeah. that as as wonderful and as flash in the pan, as <laughs> exciting, as, as much sizzle as social media can have. Yeah. And when it's really working, social media does have that crackle. It's right. like, it's fun. Th- people are talking, they're moving, things are being shared, right? And you feel it, you see your things being liked and retweeted and, and re-journaled and whatever it's gonna be. Yeah. Uh, so you see it happening in real time. But here's the thing, you don't own and control it. So here's the argument from the negative about why you need a website. Within the next couple months, it is not entirely impossible that Twitter could be banned in the EU or barring that in France. Yes. It's not impossible. Yes. I mean, he has, he has borked this so badly that it, it we could lose, I don't know, a fourth of our Twitter audience overnight, um, Brad and yep. I could. Yep. And we've spent the better part of a decade building up what has arguably been a workable, usable, friendly, helpful social media for our career. But we don't own and control that platform, right? Right. And so we are currently beholden to a man child making stupid decisions yes. and the same thing has happened with tumblr or with live journal or with myspace so yes you can build incredible things on social media brad and i hear you we right. do it ourselves right we use it to the best we can but in some respects it's like building on sand yes uh, is that it can all just be swept away very quick surprisingly quickly it can be swept away yes. and when it happens you're like where'd tumblr go hey right. what happened to, what happened to myspace how do you know and so yes It is more exciting, more sexy to be on social media, Mm -hmm. but you need that foundational website. Just trust us. You got to have that there. 
Because then when that happens, uh, then one of your readers go uh, realizes maybe months later that they haven't been seeing stuff from you. Or maybe like in, in Dave's uh, case, uh, it just goes, uh, you know, the entire platform goes uh, goes up. Yep. Uh, then that reader who really did enjoy you and you were you were walking them towards becoming a fan. You were walking yeah. them towards become a, a Patreon backer. They weren't there yet, but they, they were getting there close. Yep. They're, 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 they're on that precipice. And they go, oh, yeah, remember that? I was reading Drive uh, online, and I, I realized I haven't seen it yet. I wonder whatever happened to Drive. Then the next thing they do, they do a quick search. Drive comes up. Oh they my God. points them right to the website, and boom, you're back in touch. Because why? Because that even though Twitter was built on sand, even though your live journal was built on sand, your website stayed concrete. And it's there for what all those other things go up your website's still there. I, I'm, on, I'm only going to give this example because it's so flippin' perfect to what yeah. you just said. I got an email this week, Brad. Yeah. Someone had Googled something about 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? Okay. Uh -huh. And they rediscovered a comic that came up on a Google image search that I did 10 years ago. So yep. it's crawled on my website. It's sitting in my archives. They right. found the comic. They remembered that they used to love Sheldon, right? <laughs> they apparently spent the next uh, Saturday just reading a bunch of Sheldon. Yeah. They bought four books from my website that day, God by the end of that damn. day. Yeah. This is a real world example of how my website, because the archives were there, because it was yep. crawlable and searchable by SEO, uh, and then they found they rediscovered me again after 10 years because things happen. You move yeah. college, you change computers, uh, you lose track of what you used to read online. They yeah. they found me again 10 years later. They dove into my archives over the course of that Saturday. Then they bought four books. Right. That is a real world example of having that foundational website made a huge difference yeah. that day. So let's wrap up this conversation just by saying this. We gave you a whole laundry list of things. We told you also to apply your own creativity for those yes. things that uh, will apply strictly to your comic, things that are special for you, is uh, brainstorms that you had. This is a chance for you to get experimental. This is a chance for you to get a little bit crazy, to get creative. And then the third thing there is take a little bit of time and go around and look at some other web comics websites. Take a yes. look at what Dave's doing with Drive. Take a look at what I'm doing on Evil Link. Take a look at what uh, what the War and Peace uh, website is like. Take a look at a bunch of these other people who have websites set up. See how they're presenting it. See what their uh, what their priorities are. Right. Yes. And and take a look, do a deep dive. Don't just look at the main page. Click on some of those links. Take a look at where they put their menus are and, and, and why and, and what's on them. Uh, and, and, and if you're being smart about it, take notes. Yes. <laughs> take notes. Yeah. You're going to get all kind. Of, you're going to see a bunch of stuff that you're going to say, I don't want to do that. Or you're going to see some things and you're like, oh, I like that. And I could do it even better uh, by doing this or that. Or you'll just see some ideas that you're like, oh, I'm just stealing that entirely. That's a great yeah. idea, right? Yeah, yeah. So you, uh, uh, aside from the little starter kit that we just gave you verbally, now it's your turn. Now you have to take an interest in your business. You have to take an interest in uh, what, what uh, the, whether you uh, uh, succeed or fail in this prospect. Now you have to do the research and see how uh, 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 how you can apply all of this to your own website. That's the challenge for you is that now we can give you the basics here, but now you really have to take that. And it's an opportunity, quite frankly, take it and run with it.
Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. Dave, I'm thrilled to share with you that once again, the show is being hosted by our good friends at DreamHost. If you go over to DreamHost.com slash Comic Lab, you'll see that they've got a couple of introductory offers for people who are also interested, like we said in the first part of the show, in owning and controlling their own work by starting a website. If you go over there right now, you'll see they've got a couple of great plans. One of them starts at $2.59 a month. The other one starts at $3.95 a month. They've got all kinds of great uh, features and add-ons that you can do. And if if you're thinking about getting your uh, uh, business started by owning and controlling your own work, DreamHost They're the people that are ready to get you started. If you're going to dip a toe, this is the time to do it. And these are the folks to do it with. Well, and I got to tell you, and this is hand to God. I did it myself. (laughs) Brad and I have been talking and talking and talking about DreamHost for the better part of, I don't know, three years, four years. And this past week, Brad, I pulled the trigger as well over at DreamHost.com slash Comic Lab. I got the old credit card out. It's not up yet. (laughs) As, As of recording this show. I have yeah. a new uh, Sheldon website, the first one in a decade, uh, that now yeah. has the Patreon API incorporated that we talked about, like Brad has yep. very wisely guided me towards. And I, I'm setting it up. It's currently sandboxing at DreamHost. I'm probably going to launch in the next two weeks, maybe three weeks. And I love it, Brad. I love it. And this is, this is the honest to God, I liked it so much I bought the company kind of a moment because... Yeah. And in setting up, okay, so you know how, it, as with any sort of host, you can you can click a bunch of options, right? And yeah. and, and it sort of are, starts to auto-populate what that server space can do. Right. I, <laughs> 25 years been operating <laughs> online. I did it wrong in setting of it up in the did. first, in, within the first five minutes, I did it wrong. So yeah. here's the, here's one of the things that Brad's been talking about. I reached out to, to DreamHost customer support. I got a human being on the other line. Yep. We talked about it. I explained what I did wrong, that I had, I, here are my aspirations for the site. Here's what I'm trying to set up. Here's what I clicked yeah. wrong. They said, I got it. We're going to, we're going to, I'll stay on with you. We're going to get this fixed for you right now. They did. Yeah. Brad, I'm not going to say where I came from in terms of previous hosting, but it rhymes with Schmamazon. <laughs> and I would not have gotten this level of customer service. It would not have no. gotten resolved for at least two or three days. Yeah. Uh, and I would have been frustrated the whole time by trying to read weird tech support back end Amazon, Schmamazon things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and it, it, it did not happen. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. So right out the gate, it's not launched yet, but I'm, I'm now on DreamHost as well. And I love it. So far, legitimately, their customer service was great in in setting me right with my first stumble right out of the gate. Yeah, and that's why we're happy and proud to be able to endorse these folks. Uh, If you're looking at setting up a website, uh, we can 
with a clean, clean conscience, say yeah. check out dreamhost.com slash comic lab and 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 see if this is right for you too and like like we both have been saying all along if you do get into trouble they got your back yeah and and honestly god it's not just a clean conscience it's an excited conscience i am i'm yeah. legitimately excited to start the new Sheldon website in the next two or three weeks on dreamhost.com slash comic lab so do go check them out so Dave, it's time for updates. What do you have for us this week? Well, this one comes in from the world of Adobe. And for those of you that have Creative Cloud, um, I just wanted to point out that Adobe has launched Ad uh, Adobe Photoshop beta. And the, the reason that it's in beta is they are incorporating AI into Photoshop, generative AI into yeah. Photoshop. And some of the best examples that I have seen have been professional photographers who will take a photo, let's say it's a five by seven photograph ratio, right? Yeah. And they'll widen out the canvas size to maybe eight by 10. And then they'll, they'll select the inverse of the negative space and they'll tell Photoshop to generatively fill the rest of that photo. What would be, what would take us past the five by seven ratio and, yeah. and fill it with uh, generative AI. And I have to say with photographs, it's been doing yeah. some incredible work that I've seen online with different representations of it. So I, I downloaded it on Creative yeah. Cloud. I, I now have Photoshop and I have Photoshop beta installed on my, on my computer and I tried it out. And I just, the update for this week is I installed it. I tried it out. I tried it out multiple ways with my line art and with my colored line art to see yeah. what it could do. And my continuing feeling about generative AI is A, I'm terrified and broad, broad picture, I'm terrified of it, right? And a right, little bit right. downcast about what, what it can do. But in the short term, I just gotta tell you as an update to maybe save yourself a little time, it still looks terrible with all of my own line work <laughs> in terms of what it can generate. Like that is yeah. a skill that generative AI hasn't mastered yet is line art. Right. And it's very good at photographs because it has way more of a sample set the yeah. line art still comes out really wonky for what I would like to be able to do, which is, mm -hmm. let's say, Brad, you're drawing an evil link and it's a close crop of, of mismatch and she's flying through uh, skyscrapers. Wouldn't it be fun for a cover if you want to take that single panel at 300 DPI and say, now make it an eight by 10 cover or something, you know, something right. like that. Yeah. And, and all the buildings, maybe a couple extra line art explosions could be behind her and yep. bada bing, bada boom. You know, you might still have to draw over it, but wouldn't it be neat if it could do that? And right. so far, it doesn't yet seem to have the skill set yet. And I say that yeah. with the caveat that, that with photographs, it seems to be doing amazing work, not so much with line art. So that is my update yeah. for this week on Photoshop so beta. So now did you have to upload a bunch of your line art so that it kind of knew how you drew? Well, it cannot yet accept the full body of your work. So for mm. example, if I had a way of ensuring that Photoshop would not be teaching their overall cloud, right. my drive yeah. style, if I had a way of saying like, I want to use my entire body of work. So here's 3000 pieces of drive art, but you are not allowed to learn it or share it or put it on a cloud. I, I that to me would be an ideal world where I could say, like, give me 40 versions of this characters from different angles. I just want to see what what would be a cool angle for this character in this moment. Right. I can see a lot of use for that. And then I would draw over it or just take it as inspiration. Yeah. It can't yet do that. What it does do is you, you I, in my case, I had a high res TIFF that was layered. It made me flatten it and RGB it before it could do anything with that image. Does that make sense? Yep, I, it, yep. it couldn't take the layers 
and it couldn't take it in CYMK. I had to bring it into RGB. Basically, I had to make it a fancy JPEG, and right. um, and then then it could do stuff with it. But even then, the color schemes were wrong. The line art was really wrong. It's just not. Yeah. I, I just keep going back to that. It's not great at line art yet. Yeah, but still, it's it's a good thing to keep an eye on because, like we keep saying, it it, it, it we it, <laughs> neither one of us is exactly pro uh, artificial intelligence, but it's something that we're gonna have to keep our eye on as this thing moves forward, right? Yeah, and in an alternate world where uh, government had better control on it and they don't, and it, like, literally yeah. every week now the leaders of AI keep coming out and being like, hey guys, we really need you to regulate us because we're in capitalist competition and we're not doing it ourselves. And this thing yeah. is getting really smart and you really should regulate it. And no one's <laughs> regulating it yet. I'm, I keep getting increasingly anxious about that. Um, yeah. But in a world where it was well-regulated and we had the ability to control what we uploaded to the cloud so that it wasn't being shared or used in an overall data set, yeah. I would actually be pro AI. I would love to use it to give me like 40 versions of how I could draw a scene. And then right. I could use my selective editor. And then on top of that, my own creativity and draw the scene as I would see it using this spark of inspiration from a bunch of AI generated images. I think yeah. that would be lovely. I would, I would love, I would welcome that alternate earth. That's not the alternate earth we live in. We live in a world where right. there is no regulation and they're using all of our data sets. And so I'm, I'm much colder on the whole idea. Absolutely. So now it's time to go back to our uh, Patreon questions. This one coming in uh, from Jaron75, who says, uh, speaking about uh, uh, specifically about an Evil Inc. storyline. Uh, the question says, in a recent Evil Inc. storyline, you have scenes taking place in a royal palace. And I'm curious about the process you use to create the backgrounds for these. Did mm. you do some research to find actual reference or did you access some image banks in Clip Studio and or Photoshop? Did you make 3D visuals for reference the way you did for the Evil Inc. office space? Uh, basically talk about the process. So yeah. uh, I, I'm excited. Again, I want to say this first as a friend before you launch into this answer, Brad. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many years ago, maybe eight or 10 years ago, you really leveled up with your backgrounds. Do I have that timeline right? First of all, by the way, would yeah. you say it's about oh, yeah. 10 years ago? About the same time I started. Well, it was after using Clip Studio for a little while and I got my I, my sea legs with uh, Clip Studio. Yeah. Yeah, then yeah, I yeah. started experimenting and yeah, I, I definitely upped my game. And what it did is in in a transition that Brad was also making where it went from being purely comedic installment based, almost comic strippy storytelling Yep. to longer stories with arcs and with satisfying moments of highs and lows, not just comedic, right? Yeah. Having those more in-depth and detailed backgrounds, I thought really leveled up the whole thing. So I just want to put this sort of, you know, uh, larger picture image on it before you give that specific answer that you're going to yeah. give. Well, and, 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 it, and it all kind of has the same answer. And that was that I, I started using Clip Studio's 3D uh, models uh, at first for uh, anatomy. I set up some uh, some male and female models at different body types and so forth and got them to the proportions uh, that I use for my characters and then started using them to help keep myself on model, to keep the, the, the poses looking natural and so forth. And so once I had done that for a little while, I started uh, incorporating the 3D backgrounds. 
And there's a number of backgrounds that you can download through Clip Studio. Some of them are free, some of them cost, uh, but they're not really, ex you know, super expensive. Uh, but you can take those and then modify them a little bit if you want to. And uh, I, I started, once I did that, then I could do an illustration of that scene, get everything just the way I wanted it, and then drop those uh, uh, bodies out. And using uh, uh, just a, a simple tool in Clip Studio, I converted the 3D background into line art. And it's one of those things that you've got to, uh, you know, uh, work Fiddle. with it a little bit. You got to yeah. tinker with it to make yeah. sure that it's coming out the way you want it. Uh, and there was a learning curve there, but I finally got to the point where I could get some really great backgrounds uh, uh, just by using those 3D uh, uh, models. And of course, you know what I've said on the show before, life is too short to draw backgrounds, right? <laughs> I could not have done these scenes uh, with that level of detail as a one person operation. I just couldn't have done it, right? I, I, by drawing those uh, over and over and over again. And I couldn't have kept that consistency. I couldn't have kept uh, uh, the level of quality. Uh, so uh, I, I, once I started doing that, I started really seeing the uh, the, the potential for using uh, those 3D models as part of my drawing process. And, you know, Brad and I often talk about the fact that comics, um, when you do it not just once or twice, but are doing it consistently year over year over year, you yeah. recognize that comics is also the art of the possible in the sense that Brad could spend his whole day drawing backgrounds. Brad could spend, uh, you know, his nights and weekends really pouring over doing a bunch of extra detailed work. Um, but one of the lessons that manga has given us in terms of being one of the yeah. most crushing deadlines, I think, in the world of comics mm -hmm. um, for how many pages they have to turn out on a weekly basis for continuing stories is that CSP and a lot of other, you know, back in the day when Brad and I were coming up, there were whole books of manga pre-printed sort of yeah. background speed lines, all the stuff that you could lift. And all of that grew out of the fact that they needed to be able to produce work quickly. And yeah. ultimately, as a storyteller, there's sort of a balancing act, isn't there, Brad, about like, yeah. yes, I could spend 40 more hours working on these backgrounds, or I could spend 40 minutes fiddling with this preset background, change the line art to a way that works with my existing line art style, doesn't overpower it, is a nice little, you know, a moose-bouche in the background of, of, of detailed work, yes. um, and gets you where you need to go, basically, in minutes rather than hours and hours and hours. And, and if you're a younger cartoonist or even an older cartoonist who, say, who hears that and says, well, that's cheating, I've got some really bad news for you. This has always been a part of comics. Go, going all the yeah, way back to the beginning. Let me tell you something about Vermeer. It's been a part of painting for, for yeah. centuries, you know? Yeah. Everybody cheats a little bit in the sense that, like, well, yeah. it's, it's getting where you need to go without ruining your life to get there as an artist. Yeah. And, and people have taken that technology along the way. They, they, there, there was a lot of people who took uh, and, and adjusted the settings on a photocopier to give them something that came close to line yeah, art. Or lacinographs in the 50s sky. and 60s. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, and, and, and they did instead, you know, it, it, they, they, they used what they had uh, as tools 
to make that work as good as it could be and still meet their deadlines. Or even like in the European tradition with Danton, with, uh, yeah. there's a whole books that show the exact reference art that he took to draw a submarine and literally traced over it. You know what I mean? Right. Because everybody right. was, everybody is trying to do the best they can to tell the best story they can with the tools they have available and more importantly, the time they have available, right? Yeah. And so that's what Brad has done. He's found a way to balance out with the time he has available this tool that he can use to incorporate right. into his art and sometimes you see it done too quickly like sometimes with manga it's a little too hack if someone's younger or really trying to go fast because you'll see like yeah. the same scene being reused in book one book four book six or you know or on page yeah. 22 and page 48 they're just not yeah. artful enough in the, to hide it um, yeah. Uh, who was it? Didn't Picasso have a quote that said like, a, you know, a, a good artist steals, but a great artist steals in a way that uh, hides it or something? There's yeah, a quote yeah like you that. never you never know when you're being stolen from yeah, you, by a well, real yeah. artist. Yeah. But the idea being here in this regard is that a, a, a more artful way of, of doing something like this is to hide it with adding yeah. an extra tree or a new building or a slightly different camera angle or the lighting style is different. And so the, the reader's eye is never caught in an attentive way that makes them go, wait a minute, I saw this exact same scene six pages yeah. ago, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the, 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 the bottom line there is to do something that looks great when you're done with it, right? Because I, what I want to caution you against is like, oh yeah, Brad's saying that I can take a photo of my living room and use that for my background. Well, yeah, you could, but here's the thing. Does that look good? Is that aesthetic a good aesthetic? If, if for, I'm going to say maybe nine chances out of 10, it's not a great aesthetic for most people's work. There might be a, a case where it's forgivable here or there, but nine chances out of 10, it's not a real good aesthetic, especially if, you're, if your foreground is line art and then the background is a photo. It doesn't look great, right? Right, right? But the idea is to find where you can get that image to, 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 to consistently look good and also save you time. And, and in my case, increase accuracy and, and so on and so forth. What I, and, and here's where it's led me. A, a, a couple of things. Number one, you can actually hire people uh, who are 3D artists, like who use Blender and so forth. You can hire them and say, hey, build me this set, right? And say, I, I, here's, here's like an office that I want. And I want you to build, here's the specs and everything. Here's what I want. Then you've got that for the rest of your uh, cartooning, you've got that office. It's always going to be consistent. The desks yeah. are always going to be in the yep. same place. You can move them around and so forth. And, and, and you can hire somebody to do those 3D backgrounds for you that, make your work uh, even more fast. And also the second thing I found every now and again, I have a, 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 an atmosphere or an, an environment that doesn't just doesn't exist. Right. Or, or I, right. I, don't, I don't, I don't find it in the, in the CSP libraries. I don't want to hire somebody to do it because it's maybe just a one-time thing. They've got things called primitives in, uh, in CSP. And it's exactly what you're thinking. It's a cone a cylinder, a oh. cube, a plane. And so the last few commissions I've done, I, I, I had this image in my mind of here's, here's what's going on. And I literally just built it uh, using these primitives. And then once I had everything set up, 
uh, I drew over it at like the uh, the cylinder might have it didn't end up looking like a cylinder. I drew stick cut ins and 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 based the image off of that uh, organically. But the main points of perspective, the main points of keeping that if I did it in a subsequent yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, illustration, I could turn the camera and, and everything would be the same uh, as I've gotten better and better at manipulating the 3D backgrounds. I've also gotten better to creating things on my own, which, by the way, brings us all the way full circle <laughs> I'm back to creating things on my own that maybe don't exist uh, in in real life and say, OK, now that's going to be this space. And, and then I use that. So it, it's been a real kind of holistic way of of keeping myself on model, keeping the uh, the images looking great, getting wonderful looking scenes and also upping my game as an illustrator as well. And so I want to jump in here because I, I can hear already people who come from maybe more of an art background rather than a yeah. writing background in cartooning or for whom their artwork is an incredible mark of pride. And I can hear them saying yeah. to us, Brad and Dave, this is way too hacky, this approach of like yeah. using pre-built things or or um, photo reference or this or that. I want my art to be coming out of my pen and whole cloth and ready to go. And so Good. first of all, I have three responses to this. First of all, yeah. the first one is go with God. Of course, yeah. if you if you if you value your art and you want to do it this way, absolutely. Brad and I value yeah. that and celebrate that. And yes. we, we cheer you on as you want to create every aspect of uh, your work whole cloth without any reference or without any modeling or without any 3D modeling or AI or without photo reference. Honestly, God, go with God. Yeah. That's great. That is great. There's, yeah. no, there's nothing that any artist would ever say to you that would be denigrating about that, right? That's number right. one. Walk your path. Yeah. Number two is Brad and I are now around year 25 on our career drawing wise, right? Mm -hmm. And I just want to tell you as a friend, I could, without even scratching the surface hard, I could point out five or six artists who had the exact same attitude that you had, but are not drawing anymore because it, <laughs> and I'm not saying this in a mean way, yeah. it does take its toll after a decade yeah. Of, yeah. of artists who either their hand stops working or their shoulder gets uh, cramps or their life balance wasn't good anymore. Their relationships yep. were suffering because they were drawing all the time, right? What I'm saying is the comics are the art of the possible. And in many respects, you can still tell just as compelling, just as wonderful, just as engaging, just as eye catching a story by using what are some helpful tools and tricks that Brad is suggesting here. And yeah. I don't think they knock down your art uh, in a way that you might be feeling in your heart of hearts right now, right? Like you, you might be saying to yourself, this feels too much like a cheat. And I'm saying that's fine. I honor that. But I can tell you over my 25 years, there's a lot of people that I know that aren't drawing anymore, that aren't creating anymore, yeah. that felt that way. And by God, they tripled down on it and it beat them up over the, both physically, emotionally, in their relationships and in their time use. Uh, so that's just number two. Number three is, and this is kind of hard for all cartoonists to recognize, is that sometimes we have to just pause to acknowledge that when the eye is darting down from word balloons down to the art, next panel, word balloons down to the art, yep. the eye and the mind might be giving your panels less of a thorough inspection than you think that the eye is giving it, right? Yes. 
Yes. Comics are red. And I say that intentionally. They are red first. And then the artwork jumps in. And yes, we all love eye-catching, amazing art. And we all comment on it. And they win Eisner's. What I'm saying is some of the most amazing, compelling stories that you have read in comics, if you look at individual panels or individual executions, sometimes it's not so amazing an individual. Like you're not not looking at a Dali painting on certain panels of My Hero Academia or on X-Men or on this, or it doesn't matter what the story I could pick is, you know, Mm -hmm. because they were doing the art of the possible and they were making it on deadline and they were trying to get it out. And that's true with graphic novels as well. It's true with comic strips, it's true with everything. So what I'm saying is the third point is, is that sometimes we just have to acknowledge that the for the audience for our audience the artwork is i don't know how to to better say it than the way i did it it is it is less of an impact than we think it has on an individual basis taken cumulatively cumulatively it has a, a, a huge impact but sometimes these little cheats and tricks and 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 tools that we use along the way are enough to get the story going and keep it going. Because remember, the best thing you can do is finish the story, get it out there, right? Right. And right. so, yes, you could spend decades working on this next panel or this splash page or this background. Sure. Yeah. The better thing is that it's out in the world and it's being told as a yeah. story. And I'll give you number four, and it's gonna hurt to hear, but okay. if you if you listen to me, you'll you know it's true. Your readers don't care. Your readers do not care that you used uh, photo reference for that background. Your readers don't care that you did an auto convert from a 3D background to line art. Your readers don't care. Your readers want a good reading experience. And, and it, 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 think about this. That let's take the technology back a little bit. Could you imagine how dumb it would be if someone said, well, yeah, he drew that straight line, but he used a T-square. Yeah, so it's not that great when you think about it. No, right. nobody in the history of comics never said that, right? They didn't say, ah, good straight line, but I bet you used a T-square. They just said, that was a great, that was a great perspective shot. That was right. a great, you know, however, whatever they're talking about. Uh, your readers don't care that you drew this by hand. They just care that it's beautiful and that it meant something and that it was a meaningful, significant moment for them. That's what they care about. They really don't care about how the sausage is made by and large. There might be a couple who are out there, you know, you know, well, that's not good and I don't like it. Uh, That's fine. And by the way, uh, that's that's a reader you can do without. Remember, there's infinite readers out there. You don't need to cling to that one. That's not doing you any good Uh, by and large. Readers don't care. They're just there for the experience. They really don't care how it happened. They just, they are in the moment. And that's something you got to consider as well is <laughs> why are you knocking yourself out? Remember that Wally Wood quote? We bring it up here uh, from time to time. I'm not going to get it exact perfect because uh, I didn't plan for it, but it was pretty much, you know, it, don't 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 copy something you can trace. Don't trace something you can Photoshop. Don't Photoshop something that you can paste in. Yeah, but yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, well, Photoshop he was working in the seventies, so it wasn't Photoshop. But you Point understand. Made, He's like, listen, this is about this is what the game is. The game, it, especially for as for as long as there's been comics, it's been a commodity. And, and it's been a, a regularly updated commodity. If not a daily comic strip, it was a monthly comic book, right? This has been commodity and and it's been this has been a natural part of the drawing process since the very, very beginning. 
Okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't feel bad about using a uh, 3D background that I auto convert into line art any more than I feel bad about using digital typography, using a font. Right. I'm not hand lettering my, my comic either. You know why? It would take me too much time and it would look terrible. I don't feel any worse about the 3D backgrounds than I feel about a digital font. Absolutely, because ultimately we are communicating. We're trying yeah. to communicate a message. Is it a joke? Is it a story? Is it a character yeah. arc? Is it a graphic novel? We're trying to communicate. And so whether or not Tintin uses a photo reference of a sub or Bloom County has a photo stat reference of Casper Weinberger in a frame photo in the background, or right. Brad Geiger has a 3D uh, 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 image of a background city in the, in the background of an evil link, or yeah. uh, someone's using digital lettering, for example, or, uh, you get where I'm going with this. The idea was they communicated, they touched their audience, yeah. they told a story, they they transmitted a message. They made that audience feel something. And that's yeah. what you're ultimately trying to do. And so, yes, you can absolutely die on the altar of sacrificing <laughs> for constant art and your hand cramps and you're not, uh, you know, in your relationships because you're in the studio of 70 hours a week. Absolutely, you can do that. No one will say nay to that, right? Yes. But what we're saying is there is nothing wrong emotionally with using the tools you have to get more stories out, better stories out, more frequent and consistent stories out by using the tools that are available to you in the cartooning world. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better myself, Dave. Your audience has to feel something, right? And right now our audience is feeling like it's been about an hour and they're getting tired above hearing us <laughs> for all this time. So we got to bring this show to an end. That means I get to say you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been my wonderful friend, Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. at evilcomic.com. And my on-demand friend, Dave Kellett, the co-director of the comics documentary Stripped and the cartoonist of Sheldon at SheldonComics.com and Drive at DriveComic.com. On-demand friend is very cute. That's I did that on the cute, spot. I got to tell you, I, I immediately saw a children's book where it's two stuffed bears and one yeah. bear had his leg like it needs to be sewn back together, yeah. you know? And it's just He's called On-demand friend. friend. That's a, a, you gotta hold on to that for something. That's a cute title. Anyway, uh, the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star review on Spotify, where we are burning up those podcast charts. And honestly, we don't push that very often, but it really does yeah. help when you go ahead and give a high rating over an Apple iTunes uh, podcast, I mean, or over on Spotify. So do take a second if you're... If you're pausing at work and you're you're on your phone or if you're on a train or if you're on a bus or if you're working in your studio just take a hot second and give us a good rating and boy it does help the show get out there yeah, really and does. i will say comic lab is made possible by your support on patreon.com slash comic lab so we'll go ahead and say that twice patreon.com slash look for brad's new book on the men friends coming out this <laughs> this fall from scholastic <laughs> So, Brad, can I tell you the animals that I saw in Alaska? Oh, yeah. Because it's it's bonkers cool how 
uh, they literally are right there too. It's so cool to just be near wild animals like that uh, just outside. So we were, we were just outside of Juneau, Alaska by uh, Mendenhall um, uh, Glacier, which yeah. unfortunately, Brad, is receding a lot. Uh, I don't want to <sighs> I don't want to alarm anybody. Apparently, there might be some environmental <laughs> changes that we're causing on our planet. Uh, yeah, anyway, I wonder. Uh, the glacier's a little. Uh, but OK, so the coolest animal I saw that I had not seen previously this time, I saw a bear in Alaska. That oh, was fun um, from a distance. I hope. Thank God from a distance and from inside yeah. of a uh, of a car. So that yeah. was good. Um, I saw a billion ravens and God, they are smart and God, they are yeah. adventurous. They will come right up to you to the point where one was on a, um, a picnic table and I was trying to get something out of my backpack and I put my back to the side and I, I go to the other side of the picnic table to like sort the stuff out. I go back and there's a raven on top of my backpack. Right. And he's about the size of my backpack. And I go, hey, yeah. and he looks at me, and he goes, ah, and I go, hey, he goes, ah, <laughs> so I'm like, off my backpack, he goes, ah, ah. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, <laughs> but they are, the, the you, it sounds like you got into an argument with a raven. Oh, I'm not, and, I'm and not all kidding, he was absolutely yeah. communicating with me, like, I'm, I yeah. smell that there's food in this backpack, and I'm not getting off, but his beak was like five or six inches long, his claws yeah. were gigantic, like, when you get really close to a raven, not a crow, they are right. kind of murder birds in terms of what they have on them, you know? So yeah. I, I kind of waved a stick around and got rid of them. But uh, so I saw that, saw a couple of, um, uh, uh, what's our national bird? I'm, I'm blanking on the name. American Eagle. No, 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 not the American Eagle. The bald eagle, not the, not the American Eagle, the bald eagle. Wait, yeah. it, is, is it called the American Eagle? No, it's not. <laughs> I did that. I no, you're right. It's a bald eagle. Oh my god! Did we both national, have a stroke? I couldn't remember it, and you, you called it the national wrong thing. bird. I just thought American eagle. Uh, I saw a couple of bald eagles. God, that's an impressive bird. I'm so glad yeah. we went with that rather than the turkey. Um, yeah, and, good choice. And, and then. Uh, I saw some fish. That was fun. I don't know why that sounded exciting, but it was fun for me. I got to see fish. And, I saw uh, some fish. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, in general, though, I if, if and I'm saying this to, to our wider audience, if you ever yeah. get the chance to go up to Alaska, it yeah. is it's one of the best purchases we ever made from Russia. What a great place to go, Brad. It is. <laughs> I got to tell you, the czar blew it in selling us Russia. Yeah. It was, it was, it's a great purchase. I'm a big fan. That and the Louisiana purchase. I'm going to tell you two of my favorite yep. purchases. We two did the, good. Two of the best purchases. <laughs> <laughs>